Hey, and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode four of the podcast. All right, so here we are, episode four, uh, week one of the semester. Hope it's all working out well for you guys so far. Hope you're finding your classrooms and got all your school supplies and met your your dorm mates and whatnot. Um, this has been really great for me. I'm very excited uh, to have started doing these podcasts. I'm feeling good about it. I, uh, I started school last night. I had my first class that I'm teaching and I'm teaching two classes this semester one of which is online and one of which is in person. So I had my in-person class last night and uh, it felt fucking great, I gotta say. I uh, hadn't been in the classroom in a few years. I had been mostly teaching online and doing research. So the opportunity to get back in the classroom and actually interact with students in person really felt good. And uh, I'm feeling good about the class. So hopefully you guys are feeling similarly well about your own classes that you're taking. Okay, so a couple of announcements. I spoke about this on uh, Monday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday's episode. Uh, I have a new schedule that I'm working out. Uh, So over the next 15 weeks, I know that's the traditional college semester, we'll be going just about up until Christmas. I will be releasing two episodes per week. The first one will be out on Mondays, except for this week, uh, due to the holiday. And so that one came out on Tuesday this week. And then the second one will come out on Thursdays. The first one of the week will be more goal focused. So we'll talk about uh, checking in on our goals, talking about habits that we developed and rituals to get ourselves closer to those goals and productivity hacks and whatnot. So I'll be talking about a lot of that kind of stuff on the Monday show. And on the Thursday show, I'm going to be talking more mental health stuff. So today will be the first more mental health focused show. And I'm gonna try and stay, stay with that uh, outline for this semester and see how it works. Next, I had mentioned that I'm moving our forums over to Reddit. So I have a subreddit. It's r slash college student success. And I made a couple of posts in there already. I put uh, some of the general info about where to find the podcast and the blog and where to reach me. And I put up a link for, I put up a, a thread for today's episode. And I'll probably go back and do the, uh, do the first three as well. So the link to comment on the show should be at the end of the show notes. Once again, the blog is at www.collegestudentsuccesspodcast.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can send that to collegestudentsuccesspodcast at gmail.com. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into our story time. So in episode three, I had talked about my first full-time job in the mental health field. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about my first job in a psych rehab organization. So I had mentioned in in previous podcasts that one of the the big uh, areas of expertise that I sort of is going to form the background for how I I run this podcast is psychiatric rehabilitation. And my first job in the mental health field, I had never heard of psych rehab. 
It was uh, a lot of the techniques that they used with the people at the group homes that I talked about in the last episode were more behavioral. So a behavioral technique might be, oh, you're not doing your chore tonight? Well, you're going to get punitive damages. You're going to have to do another chore tomorrow. You know, like kind of punishing people if they didn't follow the rules. Um, other things we did that I just can't imagine. I can't believe I did this was like holding on to cigarettes for people. So people weren't allowed to smoke whenever they wanted. They could only smoke when we told them it was okay. And they can only smoke one cigarette per hour. It's like, come on guys. I mean, I understand smoking isn't good for you, but these are fucking adults. <laughs> they can do what they want within reason. So I didn't know any better though. I didn't have any classes in undergrad in psych rehab, so I didn't know what the fuck psych rehab was. I just did what my supervisors told me to, and I felt fine about it. One of the things, another uh, area where that first job I really um, grew as a counselor, or so I thought, was in the area of um, healthy eating and nutrition. So as I had mentioned, we had a 10-bed group home, so 10 people, and we would go food shopping once a week, and we would buy, you know, a shit ton of food because it's 10 people for a week. And inevitably, you know, we'd buy enough food to make one meal each night. And the, the latter meals in the week, we'd be scrounging because people would be snacking all week, you know, and in between the meals. And they would eat the food that was meant for some of the meals that we had planned out for later in the week. So my team decided that we would fix this problem. <laughs> We would only buy healthy snacks and make those available, things like yogurt. And we would lock up the food that we didn't want the people to eat because we had a separate refrigerator in the garage and a door that locked that they couldn't get into. And that worked pretty well. You know, they still had their snacks. They didn't really complain. And we always had food for the meals. And after we had that in place, we really started to make some changes to what kind of food they, they bought. And we started buying much lower fat food, better, better quality, or I shouldn't even say better quality, but more healthy. So I felt pretty good when I took my next job in, uh, in an agency that did psych rehab. So I was a residential counselor in that first job and I took a promotion <laughs> to senior counselor. And that was in this psych rehab organization. So this story that I'm about to tell you, I call Leslie and the Angry Kibasi. Um, so Leslie is the director of the agency. And it was a small, small little agency. They had three or four group homes and they had a small supported housing department. Um, less than 100 people, I think, total uh, served by the agency when I first came in. They've, they've grown a lot since. So anyway, Leslie was the executive director of the ED, and she happened to come to our weekly staff meeting one night, and this was when I had first started. And I was sort of uh, a little out of the ordinary to have the executive director at like a group home staff meeting. But uh, you know, whatever, I didn't know any better. So the program manager, who's my direct supervisor, is running the meeting, and we're talking about food shopping for the, for the people. And you know, I started sharing some of my you know, what I thought were my successes at my previous group home in getting people to eat, eat better. You know, locking up the food and, and you know, buying snacks that we thought were, were healthy and, and really only giving them as, out as options um, in non-meal times. So she's listening to me and she's looking at me and she, you know, waits till I finish and she's like, um, so we were talking about this one particular person in general 
and wanting him wanting to buy kielbasa every week. And she was like, well, there's, I don't really see anything wrong with him wanting to buy kielbasa. And I was like, well, not sure if you knew this, but kielbasa is actually pretty bad for you. I mean, it's fatty, especially, you know, the, the beef kind or, you know, pork kind, I guess. And she acknowledged that, but also acknowledged the fact that the gentleman that wanted to buy it was, you know, contributing food money and everybody contributed the same amount. And, you know, he had a certain right to purchase, you know, to see that money go to food that he liked to eat. And I was like, well, why don't we just fucking buy them uh, lollipops and ding-dongs while we're at it? Because I'm sure they like to eat that shit. And, you know, we kind of got into it. And I'm a senior counselor that doesn't know anything. And she's the executive director. And I'm just learning. And I'm like, it was foreign to me that the people that we were working with can, can just buy whatever the hell food they wanted. And her point was, it's their food, it's their lives, they're adults, but as counselors, we should be providing education around this. So yeah, when we do our, our weekly sit down with everyone to plan out what we're gonna put on the food list and the guy talks about wanting kibasa, we need to then interject, listen, you know, kibasa is, I know, really tasty. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love a good kibasa? Come on now. And, but it's got, you know, it's not the most nutritious food, so could we work out a compromise? You know, could we buy it maybe every once a month or every other week? You know, it's just to try and step it down from every week to something a little less frequent. And that was sort of the approach that I was supposed to take is really to, to provide education about nutrition and about, you know, portions and um, health. And then once the person was, you know, had the education, they could then make the decision on their own. So I tell this story to kind of illustrate really what psychiatric rehabilitation is at its roots. And that was a really big wake-up call for me. The fact that, oh my God, people could eat whatever the hell they want. It's okay. We just have to counsel them. And that's, I mean, that was my job. I was a senior counselor. So it would stand to reason that a big part of my job was counseling people. And in this case, it was counseling them on what was good to eat and you know what they maybe didn't want to make part of their weekly diet. So let's talk a little bit about psych rehab. Um, psychiatric rehabilitation has been around for a little while, but it's still a relatively, I would consider, new field. Um, it had its roots probably in the 60s or whatnot. Um, there was a sort of a, a critical blend of ingredients that were in place that sort of formed the, this, uh, this philosophy. One of those was deinstitutionalization. So this idea that in the 60s, a lot of people were getting discharged from psychiatric inpatient settings into the community. One of those reasons was the fact that they had reached sort of a, a saturation point. They had so many people locked up at that point that um, you know, it was becoming hard to house them all. And this sort of realization, it's like, oh, wow, maybe people with mental illness actually aren't monsters after all. And that with proper treatment, we, they could actually not only survive in the community, but in some ways uh, function pretty well. Along with deinstitutionalization was uh, better pharmacological treatment. So they, they really had started releasing the first antipsychotics at that point medications that weren't super great, but compared to no medication at all, 
these medications allowed people to, you know, allowed the symptoms to be uh, relatively calm and, and give people re some relief and, you know, kind of move on with their lives. So access to medications, deinstitutionalization, this, this massive amount of people leaving hospitals, uh, along with that was the Community Mental Health Act, uh, JFK signed into law in the early 60s, basically establishing community mental health centers out in neighborhoods so that the people leaving the hospitals could uh, have some place to go to get you know, medication, to get counseling and support. So along with all these things, they had people just wanting better, better care for themselves. And a lot of grassroots efforts um, started during this time of people just connecting with one another and forming their own support networks. So one of the big ones was the first clubhouse, which was in New York City called Fountain House. And Fountain House arose out of a group of people called WANA. We are not alone was their name. Um, meeting at a public location in the city and just, you know, helping each other out. And then it grew from there to the most prestigious, best clubhouse in the entire world. So a clubhouse is not like you think of a kid's clubhouse. It's a specific type of model that people with, in this case, psychiatric disabilities might go to get social support, kind of feel a part of something. So now we have the basic goals, values, and principles of psych rehab that have come out of, of that, that mixture of events in the early 60s and 70s. Um, the big, what we would call father of psychiatric rehabilitation is a, a man named Dr. William Anthony. And I think he sort of coined the term and, and started writing about it in the 80s. He is with uh, Boston, uh, Boston University and BU is one of the major areas of psychiatric rehabilitation study in the country. So uh, out of that, you know, sort of came the goals, values, and principles. And I'm not going to talk about all of them. I did do a separate blog post today where I list the goals, values, and principles so that I can go back and reference it as I need it. I'm just going to talk quickly about the goals, though. So there's three major goals of psychiatric rehabilitation. It's what the main things that they're trying to do. First one, recovery. I talked a little bit about recovery in the first episode, and honestly, I could spend multiple podcasts just talking about recovery. I could have a podcast itself uh, themed all about different areas of recovery. Um, I don't have that. I'm, this is more about college student success, of which recovery is going to be one you know, critical element. Um, but it's basically this idea that you come to terms with your illness. You sort of, it becomes, you know, part of you in, in that it's no longer something you fear or um, are embarrassed by. You sort of embrace it. And, you know, as such, people around you embrace it. And you sort of uh, come to terms and f figure out what it is that you know does have meaning for you in your life and pursuing that so it's a very individualized process my recovery looks nothing like yours so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about recovery today but it's one of the major it is the goal of psych rehab is to help people recover from mental illness the second goal is quality of life and 
people might be surprised that that's actually at the top. You know, one of the major goals of uh, of psych rehab to help people recover and to improve their quality of life. Like it almost sounds like a hospice type of goal, right? You know, those are the people that come in when somebody is very sick from cancer or something like that and they're, you know, on death's door and they sort of help the person stay comfortable. They help them with, you know, pain relieving medication, just sort of doing whatever they can to improve that person's quality of life in their end of days. Um, Imagine a tenant, a major tenant of psych rehab being something like quality of life. It almost seems odd in, in some circles, I would imagine, but you know, that really is important to us. And the third is community integration. So if you're in college right now, there's a good chance you're, you're relatively integrated into your community, maybe some less so than others. Although when I worked with people in the mental health field, you know, in community mental health centers, I was working with people that were truly isolated, you know, that were really not integrated into their community at all. They may, you know, have an apartment and live on their own, but they don't really socialize with anyone. They're, they're the only people they socialize are with people in the mental health field. And then, you know, just to, you know, the clerk at the store when you're buying some milk. Um, There's a difference between being integrated, in my opinion, into your community and actually participating in your community. So I think a lot of students out there, um, especially ones with mental health issues, might feel in a sense integrated in that, you know, they're enrolled in college or they, you know, have some friends and, and have a place, so to speak, but they may not participate as much as they'd like. And that might be, you know, feeling somewhat isolated, not feeling like you have enough support in your life, enough friendships, not feeling empowered to pursue extracurricular activities that really make the college experience one that goes from okay to fucking awesome. You know, it's the extracurriculars. So that is psych rehab in a nutshell. Um, If you were interested in, in... psychiatric rehabilitation services, how the hell would you actually access them? So there are probably not a lot of psych rehab dedicated services on campus. And that's sad, maybe one day. But there is a place you could go if you were interested in getting services. So what I would suggest is starting with the national chapter. So they're organized at a national level with an agency or an organization called PRA, the Psych Rehab Association. And I put a link in the show notes to a list of their state chapters. So you could go to the PRA website, um, click on PRA chapters, and you have a list of states that have local PRA chapters. When you find a PRA chapter, so for instance, in, in New Jersey, we have NJPRA, New Jersey Psych Rehab Association, and you could find their members. You could click on their member list and see who's a member of NJPRA. And all those organizations on that list are gonna be organizations that subscribe to the philosophy of psych rehab. So if you're getting treatment from somewhere right now and you're just kind of not really happy with it for whatever reason, but a big reason might be like, this, they're not respecting my, my preferences and my choice. Uh, a psych rehab practitioner might be you know, a good person for you. A lot of these agencies, the main, the main uh, criteria to get in is to have a diagnosed mental illness. So if you've been diagnosed with depression or bipolar or anxiety or whatever, that's usually what the person needs. Sometimes there's some 
elig uh, residential eligibility. So you have to be, you know, a resident of a certain county or whatnot. Um, so what would you need from a psych rehab practitioner? Um, so there's, they provide a wide variety of services. So some agencies only exist to provide residential services. And like the agency I described, you know, my first one um, where I told the Cabasa story was a residential agency. So they had group homes and supported housing places where the person could um, come, you know, either out of the hospital or sometimes they have direct placements from the community where they would have, you know, a place for you to live. Or if you had your own place, uh, you could become part of the agency and sort of just receive mental health services. And the person would come out to your apartment as, as often as you guys decided was necessary. So that's like a residential support. There's vocational supports. So supported employment, which is basically having a job coach who assists you with any and all aspects of the job acquisition process based on your preferences. So somebody might come into uh, an SE agency right at the beginning and be like, I, I want to get a job. I don't have any experience or any, any way to get a job. Or it could be somebody that already has a job comes in and is like, I'm looking for a new job. And I don't know how to get there. And they'll help you at any step of the way. They work on what's called the IPS model. Um, it's individual placement. And so it, it really focuses on the person getting a job quickly um, based on their preferences, not waiting around, not sitting around doing goddamn assessments of like what they're good at. It's just like, you want a job, we're gonna find you a job. So I like supported employment as a model. It's very well researched as well as uh, an evidence-based practice. The evidence shows that this model of treatment is better than other models of supported, uh, of vocational rehabilitation. And then from an academic standpoint, you have supported education. And it's similar to supported employment. A lot of times they are collapsed into the same organization and they might just be like career services. This is the branch of psych rehab that I've worked in doing research for the last three years. Uh, so if you found a, a supported education um, agency or some agency in your community that does supported employment, supported education, you could get linked up with a counselor that would help you, again, at any and all steps of the process of going to school. From I'm not in school yet and I need to get there, they'll help you apply and financial aid and whatnot, to I'm in school, I'm struggling you know, with whatever, studying or you know, I want to transfer or I need help withdrawing is a big thing that they help with uh, withdrawing is a lot better than failing so they help sort of navigate that process for you with you so those are some of the um, major areas in which psych rehab has a presence it's really psych rehab is sort of like non-existent in some areas and you know a big deal in others so like around my or around my university, we have one of the biggest psych rehab um, academic programs probably in the world. And so therefore we graduate a lot of people with psych rehab degrees. They go out and work in the agencies in often in the surrounding area. So we have a, a number of agencies that really subscribe to the philosophy. And in areas where you don't have a school pumping out graduates, you probably see a lot less. And it's a lot, lot harder for a, a psych rehab agency in those areas to find qualified staff. So 
you really, you know, it's going to be luck of the draw for some people in terms of the more rural areas as to whether or not you would have access to a, a psychiatric rehabilitation uh, service provider. But I do want to put it out there. So that's it. Um, so this was more of the mental health focus. I'm not going to be doing these sort of overview shows uh, too often, but I do kind of have to start somewhere, right? Um, I will probably talk about supported education specifically in the future. I might get somebody on to uh, talk with me about it since I know a lot of uh, supported education counselors and researchers. Um, I have a lot of interesting ideas to kind of talk about in this Thursday show um, as far as, you know, resources that are out there that you just may not be aware of. Um, and they're free, you know, psych rehab services oftentimes are funded by insurance or whatnot and in terms in cases where they don't have insurance you know there's not a lot of, they're not allowed to you know turn people down in a lot of cases because they don't have the right insurance so uh, a lot of times you think like oh having an individualized counselor sounds like it'd be so expensive <laughs> and it probably could be but um, in the community mental health sector a lot of it is you know funded by your state division of mental health services or Medicaid or some combination of both. So so that's it for today. I hope uh, people got some value out of this episode. Um, as always, if you could go to iTunes and rate my podcast, it would be really helpful. If you su could subscribe to it, I would love it. Uh, or just kind of leave me some comments. Just f let me know how I'm doing, even if I'm doing terrible. <laughs> it's better to know, right? Um, there is a link to the Reddit thread at the bottom of the show notes today if you want to come on there and say hello. Um, the subreddit is, is set to private right now. So if you find me, I'm at digdugs, D-I-G-D-U-G-Z. That's my Reddit handle. Uh, and uh, reach out to me and ask me to be let in. I could let you into the, uh, into the sub. I might open it up at some point. I'm not sure how I want to do it. I thought there would I thought there would be better options to have to sort of moderate a private sub, like you could sort of apply to join. Um, so I'm still sort of exploring that, but wanted to have a place where people could go. Um, the place in the uh, blog right now is going to be kind of shut down those forums, and there'll be um, a new uh, there'll be a link there to the the Reddit sub. So hopefully everyone doing well this uh, first week. Uh, keep up with your work. I know you feel like, oh, week one, you really don't, it's like, oh, I don't have to do anything this week. It's like, take care of it because after about three weeks of this, it's going to go from, you know, first gear of like not really having anything due or that much uh, to turn into everybody wants everything. And then that's when the stress levels really start to build. All right. Once again, this is Derek Malinzak of this College Student Success Podcast. Wishing you well. Have a good weekend. I will be back with you on Monday.